And once you've established that goal, everything associated with that process of planning and managing renovation goes through or filters through that goal and it determines the decisions that we're going to make. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, we have on Van Sturgeon, Master of Rehab and Renovation. But before we get into the episode, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Well, I have to say, Cody, I don't think we've ever had a more timely episode for me, uh, because actually, we decided to start looking for some houses. And when we were looking for houses... You know, we love a good project, and so we thought we were going to be trying to find something that was a little bit of a fixer-upper, you know, find some more value there. But kind of fortunately, unfortunately, the Austin market is so crazy that you can find a house that needs a ton of work or a house that's turnkey, and the price differential is just so small. And, you know, with, with the materials and things like that, I do definitely respect a great renovation like what, you know, some of the tips we learned from Van. But we actually did end up finding a house, got an offer accepted yesterday, and it is turnkey. So uh, as much as I love this episode and all the great things we're going to learn from it, I don't actually think we're going to be needing to do too many renovations. So yeah, that was my weekend, was literally doing a million open houses, driving around neighborhoods, scouting out everything. And so now I'm just ready to actually get some sleep this week. How about you, Cody? What were you up to? Well, on the real estate front, I actually have two updates. So I think I mentioned I had these kind of awful tenants. They were alcoholics. They had gotten arrested on their front porch, like all this stuff. And you're getting them out in the very end of June. And so July, we were kind of just cleaning up. Fortunately, the house was in decent condition, but we just got awesome new renters in there. The guy actually, it's a boyfriend and girlfriend. The guy's a contractor. So I'm like, this is great. Like he's not going to call me when the faucet's leaking a little bit. He probably knows what to do. And we also just filled our office space. So I had mentioned a couple months ago, we had a piano moving company in there. He ultimately needed a bigger space. So he's moving out the end of August and September 1st, we're going to have one of his friends in the moving space who basically runs a moving and logistics company. He's going to be renting that out as an office. So we're going to be back to 100% occupancy and on the fun front. So this past weekend, we had great weather hanging out by the lake, had some people over for a little Sunday fun day action. And then yesterday and today, we were at Lauren's brother's house up in Keene, New Hampshire. It's a really cool town. It reminds me a lot of my college town. Been hanging out. We're going on a hike, checking out all the local eateries and breweries and stuff downtown. So it's been a pretty good one. But that's enough about me. Let me give you a quick preview into today's guest today, Van Sturgeon. This is a guy who's been in the reno rehab space for over 30 years, did his first flip back in 91 when he bought a property for just over 40,000. So this guy has been in the space for a long time. He's seen a lot of things. He's made a lot of mistakes, but he's had a ton of success as well. So in this episode, you'll kind of hear from a homeowner perspective, from a real estate investor perspective, how you can go thinking about and optimizing these rehabs and these renovation projects, how much things might cost, things you might not even think about that you may need to consider when you're taking on a rental rehab project, how you can go find your own contractors, make sure that these are reliable people that are going to do the work right, that aren't going to steal your money, and that you can lean on and trust and build an awesome team for this project and any projects you might have in the future. So if you're interested in rehabs or just trying to get over that intimidation factor, you can check out all the notes and even find some great resources that Van has, like some calculators and videos at thefyshow.com slash Van. That's thefyshow.com slash V-A-N. Take it away, Van. 
it was a period of time in the late 70s there, early 80s. It was a miserable time uh, in America. We had very high interest rates. Uh, people were actually purchasing properties with 18, 20% interest rates. Inflation was skyrocket. It was just a miserable time. And, and for, for landlords in particular, who had who were relying on rental income to pay for their mortgages and, and utilities and bills, uh, and you had this mass migration out of the city, you had apartment buildings all of a sudden that had 20, 30, 50% vacancy rate. And that's what we experienced with my family. We saw this rash of uh, vacancy rates as it came out of nowhere. And so as a result, landlords who had no res- you know had no choice resorted to really torching their buildings, literally, they would run down the hallways with gasoline can, and back then there weren't you know there weren't sophisticated uh, CSI you know things that we do right now with forensics and all that kind of stuff. You know this is uh, you know boys this is uh, I'm dating myself, but this is uh, many many eons ago. And as a result, uh, you know landlords you know torturing their buildings. One night, all of a sudden, the fire department you would hear the fire department show up at this building. They, they got to the point where the, the whole building would be either condemned. And it would just sit there der- derelict. The owner still would own it, but he would have collected or she would have collected their insurance money, and that's it. So it was a miserable time. And the the, the neighborhoods, uh, my neighborhood in particular, would be potmarked with you know beautiful property, beautiful property, and all of a sudden you would have this building that was burnt down. Yeah, those were my experiences. So it was a really miserable time. You know, when you talk about something like that, I think about like, so for my granddad, right, he was born during the Great Depression and that changed his view of money and banks and all those things for the rest of his life. No matter if that was never the case again, that changed his view of those things for the rest of his life. How did that shape the way that you look at things now, like seeing that growing up? Well, it 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 definitely affected my personality and affected my way of doing business on a positive and also a negative. So I'll touch on both of them on, on the, uh, well, let's start with the positive. It made me learn and do everything myself because it, uh, the value of a dollar. I had to, I couldn't just let spend money here on that contractor or that tradesperson to do my, my general contractor and renovations. I had to do it myself because I wanted to save money. To contrast that though, the negative side is that you turned into a micromanager. And for your ability to be able to scale and be able to grow a portfolio, to be able to grow as an individual, as a person, and as and as a business, you need multiple hands, and you need to get relinquish. You have to have trust, and you need to relinquish control. So it was a very difficult process for me, and and I got to the point where as I was growing my business as a general contractor, I was also dabbling and getting more and more involved in uh, investing in real estate and flipping properties or buy and hold and stuff like that. That it got to the point where I, I was burning the candle at both ends, and I couldn't. I got to. I, I almost had a nervous breakdown. And it wasn't until I actually reached out to a real estate investor who was successful and who was often who happened to be a coach who was able to really guide me. I hired him. I paid money, and was able to get me through that through that that learning. Show me what I was missing in my life. And if it wasn't for that person who interceded at the right moment in time. I would not have enjoyed the success that I have currently in my life. And I've continuously uh, you know, invested in myself. That's what I tell a lot of uh, investors, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in stock or whatever endeavor, that before you actually go out there and start investing in a property or a stock or whatever, you should start investing in yourself. You need to find, you need to figure that part out. You need to grow that part. And that's the best investment that you can make before you actually move on and start you know, making that investment in a property or a flip or a rental portfolio. So at what point in your journey was this? Was this 
right when you started getting into real estate? Was this 10 years down the road when you found this mentor, this person that kind of changed your whole mindset and everything for you? I got started as a general contractor in the early 80s and, and uh, I'm sorry, late 80s. It was around 89 was when I got started. And I, I, it as I was, I was just out, out there on the hustle trying to gather a business. I was quote on lots of different types of projects, creating relationships, but I kept running into the same people, these real estate investors who, who were successful. I saw what they were doing. And then that's what got me started in, in uh, trying to do what they're doing. And I, I, my first flip occurred in 1991 in Chicago, where I, I bought my first property. I think it was like for 40, uh, like uh, high 40s. And, you know, it goes to show you how far back that was high 40s in this middle you know, in Chicago. But anyway, so it was high 40s. And then uh, I spent around $20,000 in rentals. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I was able to sell a property in three months and make a profit around $30,000, which was a lot of money back then because most folks were working an average salary back then was like $20,000, $30,000 for a whole year. And I was able to produce that in you know course of three or four months. So that got me hooked in in real estate investing. So I, I, I had both of these things going on in my life. So Awesome. Well, I mean, I know I definitely want to spend a good bit of this episode like thinking about like tactical things in today's dollars, right? So today, let's say you had a budget of 30, 40,000 and you wanted to make like the most impactful renovations to a home. Obviously, we're going to have to do some generalization here, but kind of like what's going through your head? Because I know there's certain things you could do renovations on that don't add as much value. Like maybe it's nice to you, but it doesn't actually add resale value. Like which dollars spent actually give you the most return on investment? What I have found that uh, new real estate investors uh, often get themselves involved in these high-priced, high-ticket items to renovate in their in their properties, whether they're flipping them or for rental purposes, and they end up overblowing their budget and they over-renovate or over-rehab uh, the property. And what I always look at is just uh, uh, getting the best bang for my buck, the highest ROI. So, for example, that dollar figure that you presented me, that budget of $30,000, $40,000, I would spend a good portion of that on curb appeal because I think that's the most important component in a flip or in a rental property. There is uh, something to be said on a conscious and subconscious level. When you're driving up to a property and you look at it, it's got to grab you. There's an old saying that a real estate agent told me a long, long time ago was, Van, you can't sell the steak without the sizzle. You need something that entices people to walk through that front door. And once you already created that picture frame in someone's mind, a prospective renter or purchaser of a property that, you know, it looks beautiful on the outside. You you do the landscaping, you paint the front door, the garage doors, you know, maybe you hang a couple of, um, you know, shutters, you you, you pressure wash the siding, you might paint it, whatever it takes on the outside to dress that baby up. It goes a long way to sort of muddle the waters when you have that individual walk through the front doors and they kind of look over the fact that you didn't renovate that kitchen to to a certain extent or the bathroom. You can get by with that old four by four, you know, lime green tile if you do it properly. So if there was X amount of dollars, and we don't have unlimited funds, obviously, when we're looking doing a rental rehab of a property, the best bang for your buck is I always feel is on curb appeal and landscaping. And there's some things that really cost you very little in the way of of doing in, in, in renovation, rehabbing a property. I found that you know, if you're selling a property in the wintertime, shovel the driveway, shovel the sidewalk, make the place look clean and presentable. 
perhaps even hang some, you know, holiday trim, you know, lights if it's in the wintertime or in the summertime, you know, add some fertilizer to the grass to make it nice and green, add some flowers. These are the types of th- little things that cost very little that really mean a lot on a conscious and subconscious level. It's amazing what, you know, purchasers are looking for something when they're, or renters looking for something to grab onto because you, you have to understand that they've visited a bunch of properties. They're tired, they're frustrated. And when you present a product that is, you know, stands on his own. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you change that mindset when they're walking into the front door based on a positive curb appeal. Now, you did mention the word renter there, and that was my next question. Would it be the same answer if it's a rental property that you're buying other rather than, say, a flip or you're renovating your own house to sell rather than have someone move in as a tenant? I, absolutely. I think that, again, there's a process that I that I coach and I teach people. I developed over, you know, literally I've done thousands of renovations on a residential commercial side. So it's a process that you've got to engage in to figure out how to plan and manage a successful renovation, uh, rehabbing of a property. So if you're if that's the course of action that you want, the end game is to rent it for X amount of dollars. That even before you get to the point of doing anything. You gotta you gotta establish a goal. And what is that goal associated with that property? If you're looking to rent it out for twelve hundred dollars, as an example, or eight hundred dollars a month, you need to go out there in the marketplace and figure out what it is that I need to do to this property before I actually start planning out any renovation or rehabbing. I, I find so often that new real estate investors, especially new ones, they run into a renovation rehab without really establishing a clear goal and validating that goal before they do anything. You know, they often, you know, sometimes they rely on their property manager to come up with a plan or what they should do. And I, I don't like, I, I, you need to do this on your own because your best interests are best served by you yourself and not by somebody else, not by a general contractor, not by a property manager. You, you have to do that. And you can do it remotely. You can do it online. It, it, uh, I recommend you do the, you know, the actual physical walkthrough of properties and things of that sort. But I mean, you could do this also online, not as effectively, but you could do it online. And sorry if this feels like, you know, I'm kind of bouncing around. But there's so many like tactical things that come to my mind because I have just no idea how to evaluate the cost of a potential, you know, renovation or even, you know, these specific parts of a renovation. So I was recently looking at a house that what really drew me to it was these gorgeous windows. Like I had these giant windows that weren't split up, you know, in the different sections, just these big windows. They were kind of recessed from the inside. And I'm like, I have no idea what it would cost to go in and add these just giant, you know, windows where you can kind of see through the house and see into the backyard. What is like something like that? Is there a way to kind of think through like how much it costs to get some nice, large custom windows? It's amazing uh, what you can accomplish through the internet and being able to Google things and being able to reach out to people. All you need is some measurements associated with those windows, be able to reach out to window manufacturers and get a good overall budget sense of what the cost would be on replacing windows, changing windows, whatever you want to do. I think what you're asking is you walk into a property and you're enticed by it, you're intrigued by it, and, and and you want to do something with it. But before you get to that point, as an investor, it's all based on numbers. It's always numbers. It's how much are we going to be able to acquire the property? What is it that we need to put into the property? And what is the end game, the strategy? We have to, we should have multiple exit strategies in place so that if option A doesn't work out, we got option B and we got option C. So we all, you know, it's a shiny, you know, it's a shiny object when we walk sometimes in the properties. For example, in your case, those windows, great. But 
there is a process associated with doing a renovation rehab, determining what the cost is associated with taking on a task and bringing it to a certain level to be able to uh, really realize the goals that you've established for that particular purchase. And so I guess we can keep using the windows as an example, but you know, so let's say you really want to just find an exact number. You want to get an exact quote. Do you have recommendations for how you do that? Do you go and ask your buddy who's a contractor? Do you go fish around and get a bunch of different quotes online? Is there a certain number of companies you should be reaching out to? I'm just wondering tactically, like how someone goes around shopping so they don't end up getting screwed in the end, paying too much. Starting off, it is very difficult to be able to put a number on a renovation rehab of a property because you don't have a basis of experience to be able to determine the time and the amount of money associated with what you have to do to improve that property. So to circumvent that, you need to sort of figure out a a system, a process whereby you can reach out to individuals or do this work on your own to be able to come up with a certain, with a valuation of what that what that repair value is going to be. What is it that you need to do to that property in terms of cost and the budgeting? I mean, the actual renovation rehab, what's the cost? What are you going to have to do? So there are there are tools that exist that I actually have that I that people can have. Um, they go to my website. Uh, they can download. It's a renovation calculator. And essentially what it is is that you go through the property, you identify things that you want to repair, renovate, replace, and you use that calculator, tick it off, and it comes up with a budgetary number that you can then use, roughly speaking, because every area is different and things fluctuate and change, especially nowadays. But it gives you a good idea of a sense of how much the cost of a rental rehab budget should be for this property. One of the things that I think should be stressed or talked about is that as important as it is to find a great deal, and it's very important. It's also extremely important or equally important to be able to handle that renovation rehab because there's so many people that might have a great deal and then they screw it all up by mishandling that rental rehab project. Whether they hire the bad contractor who you know, takes their deposit money and runs off or a, you know, a tradesperson that installs a, a widget in the prop, you know, property that's off, that makes, you know, that, that, that now the only choice is to rip it all out, waste time and money and pay the guy, and, and and you have a disaster on your hands. In order to be a successful real estate investor, you really need to have, uh, you need to be great at both of those things. And it takes time. It takes time. And that's why I strongly encourage people, if they really want to get serious on both aspects of this of this industry, and this, you know, to become a successful real estate investor, you need to, it's nice to have someone coach you, someone help you through that process when figuring out what's a great deal or how to plan and manage a renovation rehab project, because these two skill sets are incredibly important for your successes. And often there's an analogy I often use it with people. It's like you're learning to play a musical instrument like a guitar or piano. You can by yourself grab that guitar or piano and sit there and tom and bang away at it. And eventually, maybe over after a couple of years, figure it out, figure out how to play a song. But it's going to take a lot of, lot of effort and a lot of time and, and, and wasted time versus you hiring a piano teacher, a guitar teacher who sits right beside you and shows you what you're doing properly or not properly and, and helps you along the way. Wouldn't that be a quicker process? Wouldn't that help you avoid mistakes? And unfortunately, in our business, in real estate, when we're talking about usually hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether it's on the renovation side, rehab side, or actual purchase of a property, 
one wrong move, and I've seen many, many wrong moves over the last 30 years people, new real estate investors make, it could be totally devastating. It could totally knock you out and never, ever, ever recover because the financial loss is so huge. And also more, it's, and then also psychologically, the defeat is so demoralizing. So I strongly encourage people. I am a person, a product of a lot of coaching. I've spent over $200,000, I've estimated one time, of coaching, mentorship, courses, books, you name it, I've done it, Week, you know, weekend seminars. And all of those things help me incrementally be able to become the successful person that I am, not only financially, but also as a person. I like to think I'm a good person. And that's the reason why I do what I do is because of financial gains, because I really enjoy interacting with people, helping them out because it makes me feel good. And I want to I have all this experience and knowledge that I've accumulated for so many years that I want to get out there and help people. Well, I'd like to lean in on that experience again with the next question, which is, you know, I'm curious if you had like a couple highlights or like things that come to mind when you think about parts of a project that people underestimate and overestimate. Because I think that there's probably some things that I look at and it's probably more common that you underestimate how much it's going to cost. But maybe what are some things where you walk into a, a renovation, you look at it and it intimidates people. But in reality, it's actually not that big of a problem. We will be right back to the show after this quick word from our amazing sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever, and I can definitely attest to this. So much time spent searching for, interviewing the wrong candidates, the wrong people to hire for a job opening that could be spent on growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it much easier to actually find candidates that are worth interviewing. So it's not just wasting your time. And the best part is that it's free. As someone who owns a couple small businesses, I can tell you how important it is to actually get that right team in place because once you start to outsource strategically, you can start to focus on the bigger picture stuff for your business. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to find those perfect people to join your team. There's over 750 million people on the platform and there's candidates with every skill you can imagine and definitely one that can fit your wants and needs. Plus, with a company as big as LinkedIn, they do a really good job actually filtering through candidates and prioritizing who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire, and who's a good fit for your role. This is an opportunity to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash show. That's linkedin.com slash show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When I walk into a property, I, I really try to figure out what the age of the property is because there are some certain conditions that are associated with particular eras of building. So in the 1920s and 30s, they had issues or problems versus buildings that were or houses that are constructed in the 1960s or 70s or 1990s. So depending on the era, I, because of my experience, have got, you know, I have a good sense of what I should be mindful of. And that's one of the things that I help people with because I, I've gone through, I've gone through so many renovations. One of the things that uh, that I'll sort of hopefully address to give you an idea of what I mean is Oftentimes, I don't like to see trees beside big, grow overgrown trees beside a property because I know, especially with the age of a property, if it's an older property, typically there's issues with weeping tile that go around the perimeter of the property. At the foundation wall, there's a weeping tile that gathers groundwater and through hydrostatic water pressure, removes that water away from the property. That's the reason why you have a dry basement. What happens is those trees, those roots in particular, they're smart little devils. And over a period of time, over many years, they start to penetrate and go further, further ground looking for water. And as a tree grows, the tree root system becomes bigger. And as a result, they get into those, into those pipes. And ultimately, what ends up happening is those pipes become clogged 
and then eventually you'll have issues. And the only way to address that problem is to actually either you know excavate the whole perimeter around the property and put in new weeping tile or start chipping out your basement floor and reinstalling weeping tile. It's really a very expensive and messy mess. So those are the types of things that I'm mindful of when I'm looking at a property. I'm not worried about roofs, but I am worried if I start walking to a property, as an example, and I start to see floors start to dip in certain corners, that that gives me cause for concern because then we have some foundation issues, which typically isn't a simple fix. You know, these are the the high ticket items, foundations, windows, water penetration. Water is, is, we all need water to drink, but water is a biggest enemy to, you know, to, to, to properties is that if the water starts to getting in and causes damage. So those are some of the things I, I'm mindful of. Other things like, you know, roofs and other things where you can spot those efficiencies and issues, you can address them pretty easily, or you can figure out what it costs is. But there's other things, like there's one instance, to give you an example, where I, I, I purchased a property that I didn't really do my due diligence. And after uh, two months, I discover, I get a phone call from the tenant and discovered that the whole basement had overflowed with sewage. And it was an older property. And then uh, so it had uh, poop all over the place. And I had to take that renter, put him up in a hotel, and I had to address the problem. And the problem was that the sewer line had collapsed. And it happens. Uh, things aren't meant to last forever. And so if I had done my due diligence properly, by hiring a plumber to do a camera scope, which would cost me a couple hundred dollars, I would have been able to foresee the problem and either got a reduction on the purchase price or just walked away from the deal. But in haste, and you know, we I make mistakes too, even though I've been doing this for a while, I purchased a property and I ended up paying a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars because I made that mistake. And unfortunately, fortunately for me, I can, I can absorb that. But for that new real estate investor who who steps into something like that for the first time, you know how difficult is it going to be to absorb a eighteen thousand dollar repair, or how long will it take for you to recoup that eighteen thousand dollar repair over a course of I don't know how many years in rental income? So those are the types of things. Unfortunately, you got to be mindful of, and sometimes property inspectors help, but sometimes they don't. You know, it's a matter of, you know, there's good lawyers and bad lawyers. There's good doctors and bad doctors. And how do you identify the right people to do work, to do business with is uh, is one of the things that you're constantly battling. We could try to identify good parties to do business with. So after hearing that story, do you 100% all the time recommend people get an inspection before buying a property or a building? Unfortunately, right now, Cody, we are living through an overheated real estate market where literally if you have an opportunity on a a deal, on a a great deal on a property, you don't have the luxury of calling your contractor friend or or a property inspector because in a couple hours that that property is gone. Things will stabilize and we'll get to the point where you might have that opportunity to bring in a property inspector to do an inspection. But unfortunately, how many times can you do that? How many times can you do that on a property where it's costing you three to five hundred dollars for that inspection before you make a decision to move to make to move forward on a you know on a deal or not? Because a lot of these deals are are you, you got to act, you got to firm up very quickly, or the deal's gone. You're going to go to somebody else. So it, it's a skill set that folks need to learn. It's a skill set they need to learn on how to find that great deal, but also on how to evaluate, how to plan, how to manage these rental rehabs where you're in control over your investments. Do you recommend then having kind of 
a post inspection, I guess. So let's say you find a property, you don't get the inspection, you put an offer in that day, you win, you get the property. Once you win that property, should you be doing some kind of, whether it's yourself doing the due diligence or like you just mentioned, having like a plumber go in with a scope and check out the sewer line or the main water lines or things like that. Is that something that you recommend? Well, what I recommend is, uh, unfortunately, in, in, in today's age, you have opportunity. You have you have windows of opportunity on properties where you can't bring in that inspector or that contractor. So you need to rely on your good senses. And if you've done this long enough, or you get a sense of what it is that you can, what 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 repairs or what costs and what time it's going to take in doing this rent or rehab, and then make a decision. You're going to have to. You're going to have to be quick on your feet. And that comes through experience and determining, you know, how much do I offer for this property when I'm walking into the dark in, in terms of the necessary work associated or possible work associated with this, with this acquisition. I don't know how better to answer that. Uh, it's a matter of learning that. And, and, and what I'm suggesting is that you need to learn that yourself and you can't rely on a contractor or, or or a property inspector because just simply you don't have the time or it can be very expensive. Like contractors might do it an occasional drive-by to help you out, but you can't keep doing that. What's the, what do they gain by that? Like, what do they gain? And there's one particular uh, individual I was talking to recently who's uh, been going through the process of trying to buy a property and they're due and they're new and they're going and they're calling up, you know, the same contractor over and over again. And ultimately, I said, "How reliable is that person?" She keep calling. Are you paying that person? And they're like, "No." Well, how reliable is that person's opinion if they're not getting paid? Like, if I, I'm a general contractor, that that's where my bread and butter is. That's where how I got started in, in my fun, in my life. And as a general contractor, trust me when I say that I, I like my time is valuable. And if I, uh, I might help you out once, but I'm not going to continue to help you. And I might just throw out a number just to make you happy and just get, make you go away. But I'm not going to put the time and effort associated with coming up with a, with a budget associated with this renovation or rehab of this particular property. Like what benefit do I have? Because you will, why? Because you win the property. Am I going to get the work? Is there something contractually there? No. Earlier, you were talking about like from your experience based on houses built in certain decades or certain eras, maybe there's certain things to look out for. I'm curious if you have similar things, whether with um, like certain type houses, like if it has a concrete slab, if it's a two story, if it has like a crawl space, like are there things like that that kind of really stick out to you when you're looking at a house? Oh, of course. I mean, there there, there are certain geog- geographical areas where, and also building types and structure that we need to be cognizant of, of certain things happening in those areas versus others. So for example, they're in the Southwest part of, uh, of the good old USA, termites is a big issue and you need to really thoroughly uh, investigate properties to make sure that uh, you don't have termite damage because that can be a significant uh, bill. It's one of those things that we talked about earlier and you know, high ticket items, that's one of them is to really look at termites and if there's any damage to a property. When you're dealing with, uh, you know, certain types of buildings, such as like crawl spaces, you got to be cognizant of certain gases that are developing in those areas and making sure that the property is insulated away from those as well. Structural issues, there's areas uh, throughout North America that have certain soil conditions that are not, are susceptible to sinking. So as a result, you might find a property that all of a sudden it has in a particular area that has tendencies to have foundation shift and sag. 
And so you need to go through some remediation in order to address that, which can be pretty expensive. So different types of building structures, different areas, all uh, play a part in the pros and the cons associated with a particular investment. So this might sound kind of random, and I'll give you some context into why this question popped into my head. But just earlier today, you know, the little trap in the sink that basically catches all the food so it doesn't go down the drain. We got like this cheap plastic one, and it was moldy. And I'm like, if I just got a stainless steel one, it definitely wouldn't have molded. Probably more money in, you know, at the time, but whatever. It's a couple of dollars different. I mean, obviously, it's on a different scale when you're doing a rehab, but cheap versus expensive. Like, is there a happy medium? How do you determine where that happy medium is? Because you could have something that lasts five years and it costs this much or something that lasts, lasts 50 years and it costs this much. Or maybe the, you know, the 30 year thing is going to be the best option. I don't know how to uh, I don't know how to answer that, because uh, there are properties that I walk into every single day. And I and I walk into a bathroom as an example. It's got this beautiful lime green tile that was installed in the 1960s that is still fine, is still durable, but is just outdated. And so these, you know, there's fashions, there's things. If you look at, for example, if you look at the movie Home Alone, you know, that little movie with that little guy there, Mulkalki Culkin, whatever. <laughs> That's that little guy. If you looked, if you watch that movie, you'll notice as they're panning through that beautiful mansion that Mulkalki Culkin was living in, Kevin. Kevin was the name of the, of the character. If you look at that property right now, if you look at it, you'd be like, wow, it's so dated. You know, if you look at the wallpaper, if you look at the bathroom, if you look at the furniture. So my point is that we can always purchase things that are extremely uh, much more, you can get much more longevity out of. But it may very well be that we don't want longevity because it can become fashionably out the door in relatively short time. I used to, when I got started, golds and creams and beiges were popular, you know, golden oak hardwood. Well, now people are ripping all that stuff out and are going with whites and grays and blacks and whites and monotones. You know, I look at some of these houses that they look like hospitals. Justin is the kind of guy that loves that kind of stuff. He wants to live in a hospital. Well, back in my day, we didn't like hospitals. We wanted to have that homely kind of beigey kind of place, you know, with the gold and yeah, that kind of stuff. So I hopefully I've answered your question. Each, you know, you got to cater a renovation, a rehab of a property. You really got to do your due diligence. You got to go out there in the marketplace that this property is located. And first of all, determine what it is that you're looking to accomplish. If you're looking for a flip, great. How much money you want to make from that flip? If you're looking to rent it, hey, great. How much you want to rent it at? And once you've established that goal, everything associated with that process of planning and managing renovation goes through or filters through that goal and it determines the decisions that we're going to make. So if we're going to go, you know, sell that property and make $50,000, then we're going to make sure that the renovations that we're going to do to that property is going to get us to the goal of making that. But how do we do that? We got to go on the marketplace and we got to look at properties are comparable to ours and determine what it is that we can do. If you're renting it for you know, $1,800 a month, you need to go out in the marketplace to see comparable properties that have, they're getting $1,800 a month. Get right on your notebook and write down what it is that these properties have that your property doesn't have. And then you got to come back home and determine these are the things I need to do to this property in order to get me to my goal. And you don't go deviate from that. It's very easy, especially new real estate investors. It's very easy to spend like you mentioned, that that little strainer of yours, 
I'll spend three dollars for that, you know, that stainless steel one. Oh, I'll spend five hundred dollars more for that toilet. Oh, I'll go buy the upgraded shingle on that on that rental property. And all of a sudden, you're out of whack. You're out of budget. Your budget is overblown, and you've got a mess on your hands. That's why goals are so critical and everything flows through that goal. And then that's why I'm a big proponent of writing out scopes of work, a detailed scope of work, which is a document that identifies exactly what it is you're looking to accomplish within that renovation rehab. It specifies the appliances, the color, the paints, the, the types of hardwood. And, and that is your, your Bible. That is what you follow. And that is the document that all trades and contractors follow. And isn't it, it's a beautiful process because you got everybody online. You're following, you're all working off literally the same playbook. So one thing you were bringing up there was interesting to me, and it's it's less of a, you know, this numbers conversation that we're having in this goal conversation. But, you know, you mentioned styles and how they outdate. Is there certain things you've noticed that, because like everybody has their different style even today, like there's certain things I would like that maybe Cody wouldn't like. Are there certain things that you would recommend people do that will kind of be open to everyone. Like everyone will be okay with that. Like if it is a flip, if it's something you're wanting to sell to someone or rent, like something that's not going to turn anyone away. I, I, I'm going to answer that question by saying that it doesn't matter what the average is or really, I, I really encourage people to do their due diligence and identify exactly what's working in their marketplace. To give you an example, my investments are concentrated in four areas very, very distinct areas. And each of those areas have their particular needs in what they want to see in a renovation, in a rental. And, and that is what guides me in what it is that I'm going to accomplish or what I'm looking to accomplish in a renovation rehab. So like I can generalize by saying, yeah, it's great to have stainless steel appliances, but stainless steel appliances are a premium. And maybe sometimes depending on your circumstances or your situation, like I have some rental properties that generate only $800 a month. Well, guess what? I'm not putting stainless steel appliances in those properties because it doesn't warrant it. I'm going to go to the cheap and cheerful section of the appliance department section, whatever. I'm going to pick off white appliances or maybe black ones but I'm not going to go and pay a premium for the stainless ones because I'm not going to get that money out. So I, I hopefully I've answered your question. I really want people to get out of their comfort zone and actually do research. They got to get out there in the marketplace and wherever that property is that they're considering to buy or have already purchased, and they need to get in there and understand their marketplace. I spent time in learning my marketplace. I know all the streets. I know all the areas. I know all the rentals. I know where the crack houses are. And I know all that kind of stuff to be able to make sure that I am uh, I'm top of my game or the people that I have are on top of their game to ensure that we are successful. Yeah, I love that. I think goal setting and then knowing the market, doing your research is super important. One thing we haven't touched on, and I'm not sure if I've heard you talk about this before, but you definitely know a whole lot more than I do, is how to pay for this stuff. And I know it depends on the size of the project, the newness of the investor, but you know, how would you recommend newer investors, first-time home buyers, like finance these projects? Everybody's situation is different. And I what I can find, I, and this is the exercise that I go with people. It's nice to have a goal. It's nice to identify exactly what you're looking to do to a property in terms of your renovation, rehab of it, but where are you going to find the money? 
And so one of that's an exercise that that I that I go through with help people helping people and finding where those dollars are going to come from. So obviously we have to figure out how much money is in the kitty, actual cash that we have on hand. That's the first process. Second of all, there are opportunities in terms of lines of credit that you can establish on a property that you can go and, and uh, tap into. There's also uh, opportunities to reach out and go to a hard money lender. Now, these are strategic steps that we would be taking because hard money lenders are, are, are higher. They charge a higher amount and there's a cost associated with borrowing money from them. But if it's for a short duration and if we're able to refinance a property or, or, do, or sell the property, then that's an option. There's also opportunities uh, sometimes, depending on the municipality that your this property is located, where government there's government programs on the municipal and sometimes federal level where you could tap into. If there's a things that we can do to the installation, uh, replacement of windows. I've done. I've gotten received grants from government for replacing weeping tile because I uh, pro- properties in a floodplain, as an example, and the government stepped in and made payment on it. So improve my property without me laying out a dime for it. So there's a lot of things that you can look at to be able to find the money. There's even actually reaching out to your fellow real estate investor who. Uh, might want to partner up if you're looking to flip a property and you've got the property and they've got the funds associated with the renovation rehab. Maybe you partner up with them. There's a lot of different ways. You got to get out of you got to get out of that pigeonholing of things. There's a lot of opportunities, lots of money out there. You just got to figure out a bunch of different ways to look at it and, and finding that money. So Van, we've talked about a lot of different projects, a lot of different work, and obviously everybody's situation is different. But at the end of the day, most people are going to need someone to do that work for them. And people always say it's so hard to find skilled labor these days. How do you go about or, or recommend people finding good tradespeople, good general contractors? I always recommend to real estate investors that they, I, I hope that they've created some type of a power team. And that power team is a collection of you know people that you're going to create win-win situations where it's a mortgage broker, real estate agent, you know, your accountant, lawyer. These are people that are already in the industry and should have a, a, some references associated with contractors and tradespeople that I've used in the past that they can that you can then tap into to use for your project. So that is one area that I recommend. Another thing that I find is also that a lot of folks don't do, but they should do. If you really want to get serious in this game is you should join your local real estate investment association, your local RIAs. You should be part of the, you know, the meetup groups. You should be part of these Facebook groups that concentrate on real estate investing, in particular your geographical areas. You know, most people want to help others. Like I help people all the time and I enjoy helping people. I got nothing to hide. And so by virtue of that, and most people feel that way. If you're part of these associations, you can tap into, you know. Uh, you know, that electrician, that's great. That that plumber, that does great work and, and get those references. And those are the people that I would rely on in reaching out to get pricing for my project. I hear often that there are people who recommend going to uh, going to Craigslist and finding, you know, your tradesperson contractor there. And uh, that's the worst place that you can go. Because often those those are people that just got started in the business and they're fly-by-nighters. And I mean, sure, you, there are good people there that also are looking to get started in the business. But if you're not in a position to understand you know, what an electrician should be doing or a plumber should be doing, if you don't have that basis of experience, that's the wrong place to go. I can do that because I know what I'm doing. 
I've got the experience to back me. But if you're getting started in this business, that's the worst place that you can go because you're going to take be taken advantage of. There are I've heard suggestions that you should go to your local home improvement place at six o'clock in the morning and and wait outside the door and wait for these trades people and contractors to come in and out of the place and get their phone numbers and names, which I also don't think is ridiculous because how do you know that person actually can is going to be qualified or know what the, what they're doing? It's totally ridiculous for me to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and wait for somebody to come in there and run to them and grab their name and phone number. I don't advocate that. There are lots of great places where you can find references, uh, you know, trace people and contractors to be able to help you out. Could not echo the sentiment of the power team more. That has seriously been like the only reason I've been moderately successful in any of my real estate ventures. And Van, this has been a ton of fun. I've learned so much. You've dropped so many knowledge bombs. I know we chatted about that before. We're trying to get as tactical as possible. And I think people should have their pens and pads out for this one. Van, for those people who want to get in contact with you, who want some more of your content, who want to see what you're doing, where is the best place for them to do that? Well, I'm, uh, I have a website. It's vansturgeon.com. I recommend people go there. It's, uh, I've got a lot of great stuff, like you know, podcasts that I've been on, articles that I've written that have been published in a variety of different areas. And, and, I, and I also have a free training video that I've created where people can I guide them through the whole process of how to successfully plan and manage your renovation Without a general contractor, you do it yourself and you're able to maintain and keep control of your renovation. And literally, you can save 30 to 50% on your renovation rehab project. It's a lot of money that people toss away frivolously. And, and I think that it's incredibly important for you to be able to do that on your own. And not only do you save a lot of money, but you also learn a new skill set. So I recommend people going on to my going to my website. I also got a free renovation calculator there that you can download. I mentioned it earlier, where you can use that as a checklist when you're evaluating a property and also determine, get a budgetary number associated with that rehab renovation budget. Also, I'm on Facebook. I welcome everybody to reach out to me. I, I love talking to people. I'm, I'm passionate about what I, what I do, and it's really my calling. I really want to help people out. So uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, you're more than welcome to reach out to me, and uh, I'd love to be able to help you out. Well, Van, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome feedback. I know this is one of the most intimidating things that people go through when they're thinking about getting into real estate. So again, just uh, thank you from both of us. Thank you very much for having me. And it was great uh, talking to you. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thebuyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.